Red Dolphin Podcast listeners, welcome to episode 34, where we bring guests on to give you insight to how to dominate your 20s, maybe insight to a career or whatnot. Today, we have a special guest. It is Mr. Bert Brisenio. Yeah, uh, what's it called? Is it called a tilde? The tilde, yeah. Tilde, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love the name. So it's honestly a great, uh, great sounding name. Thank you. You got that on your signature, yeah? I have, I just have Bert as my signature. Oh, really? Yeah. Keep it simple with I the just keep letters. it simple. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, uh, Bert, you're a photographer, big guy into that. Dude, tell, tell us about the journey thus far, or just give us an overview so people know what they're getting into other than the, uh, the story title. Yeah. So I, I do photography and videography. Um, I do mostly concerts and, um, just be ready for long nights. If you want to get into it, just be ready for, um, it's, I would say it's pretty competitive, but it's not, if that makes sense. You know, everyone's, you see everyone starting a podcast, you see everyone picking up a camera. I think really, if you're going to make it, you'll, you'll make your own way. Um, so I think just be ready to, to work hard, really. Um, it's very time consuming. Have some time on your hands. <laughs> um, editing is the longest part, but really, man, I mean, anybody who wants to get into it, it's, I think everyone should have a creative outlet. Um, whether that's for fun, whether that's as side money, whether that's, I think everybody should have a creative outlet. It's done wonders for me in my life personally, um, for my marriage and my relationship. It's, it's been awesome. Um, but I guess starting how I got into it, um, I, man, I started about four and a half years ago and it, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life at the time. I was working at Tiff Streets. Um, I just got out of a sales role that didn't end up working out, just kind of feeling lost in my life. And I was like, I, I really don't know what I wanted to do. And it was actually at an Odessa concert that really made me want to pick up a camera. It wasn't at the actual concert itself, um, but it was at the Moment Apart tour in 2019. And that was at uh, Circuits of the America. The For those who are from Austin, you know where that's at. Um, but um but yeah, I was just like, I was depressed. I was, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I felt like I didn't have a purpose. And that moment, that time at that concert was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had. And you've seen Odessa live. Oh man, they so, are absolutely amazing. So it's an experience. You got the tattoo. Go ahead and show it. Yeah. Show the camera that. Look at that dude. I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, and I was, after that concert, I was like, man, I wish I could stay in this moment forever. Like, it was just the time of my life. Um, and I saw during the concert, like, these people running around with huge cameras, like, the whole gimbals, all that. Um, and it didn't dawn on me till about a month later where I just kept thinking about, like, I was like, oh, my God, like, that was the best night of my life. And my girlfriend at the time was my wife now. I was just like, you know what? Like, I think I want to capture moments in time for people so they can relive those emotions, bring those emotions back to life in some way. Um, it'll never be the same as actually being in that moment, but it can bring back some of those emotions that were from that night and bring back those memories. And so that's what made me want to pick up a camera and capture moments for people. So, Well, dude, it's, it's weird because it's not even weird. It's so cool because when, when you get like a photograph, maybe from like a time in your parents' life or something, you're looking at their eyes and what their world was at that time. For sure. And it's so weird. Like any, anytime looking at like a parent's yearbook, you're looking at the, all the kids and you're like, dude, everybody looks so much older. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But 
Anyway, like, I mean, there's a reason why people have like wedding photographers. They have wedding videographers. Sure. They, they have all these videos. People want to share these moments. And sure. I mean, like, uh, it's, it's amazing. There's a guy at my school, alma mater right now takes amazing photos. And it's just so cool that those guys are going to have something they can show to their kids. For sure. And, you know, it's not, it's not just the right now impact. Like you said, it's the nostalgia of looking back. 100%. And, yeah. And just, yeah, like 20 years down the line, we'll look at all this and say like, oh yeah, like I remember this, blah, blah, blah. Like, and yeah, so that's why, that's why I decided to pick up a camera. Well, dude, you probably have like how many terabytes worth of uh, footage on that? I mean. Going through SDs like crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, just trial and error. I have, I mean, I have photos from when I first, like, and I show them every now and then, like to where I started to where I'm at now. And I used to think like back then, like, oh, like these photos are going to be Instagram bangers, whatever. And I look back, I'm like, dude, these suck. Like, <laughs> I'm like these are so shitty. Like, I, I can't believe like I thought this was good. But I think that's the cool part about just seeing the growth and seeing like the comparison and, and it, the work really paying off. Seeing like, oh, damn, like these look like like I took these on an Android. But now like these are actually I can consider these professional and I'm happy with them. Yeah. What was the, what was the first camera that you started with? Because I think somebody who wants to get into photography and everything, the biggest, the biggest firewall gatekeep thing away is, is pricing for stuff. How, how did you? So I started on a Canon. Um, I shoot on Sony. Now I have a Sony a seven three. That's been my camera for the last two and a half years, give or take. Uh, but, but I started on a Canon, uh, T seven I. So, I mean, it's total with a lens. I probably paid like 800 bucks maybe. Um, and at that time when you, when you purchased that, was that a big, were you, were you kind of like nervous? Were you all set on it? What was the feeling? It was really just like, I mean, I'm going to have to spend money to make money. So, right. yeah. cause, cause I decided that I wanted to do it for financial reason, reasons as well, as far as, as a side hustle, I didn't really start thinking of it as I wanted to do this full time until about two years in. Um, but I was like, this would be a great side hustle to like make money with, take family portraits, uh, do like Christmas photos, things like that. Um, so it really started off as a side hustle. And what really turned it into a full time, like I want to do this for the rest of my life type thing is when my wife and I first moved out, uh, we didn't even know if we were going to make rent for the first six months. And at the time she was a manager at Tiff Streets. We took all the leftover cookies at night and like literally just started going to real estate offices and was like, hey, like here's our business card. If you need photos, hit us up. And this was like in the middle of COVID. And so we were like, dude, we don't know if we're going to make rent. We got to figure something out. Mm. And so we just started going to all these offices on our off days and taking these boxes of cookies with our business cards and people started hitting us up. And if it really wasn't for that, we, we probably wouldn't have made rent our first six months of moving out. Really? So, and at that point I was like, this could really be a full-time income. And so I was like, wow, like, I think I could do this full-time. And, and I'm not quite there yet, but it, I feel like it's in the near future with the way things have been going. Um, and I, I feel like it's not just not just like a pipe dream anymore, you know? Like, I, I feel like it's a very close reality yeah. to making that happen. Well, Bert, one thing that, like, I'm a big, like, uh, supporter of is the idea of find a way or make a way. And for a lot of people, that seems hard. And the cookie story, it just, like, that is truly 
find a way or make a way like find a way to get clients find a way to get your name out there was there like a degree of nervousness when you're kind of like doing this stuff like uncertainty <laughs> i could only imagine was just overwhelming when it comes to either and i had just moved out i didn't my parents have been so supportive of me this whole time uh, my wife's parents are are pretty supportive um, they didn't quite see it at first. Now they're really like, you could really do this full time. Mm. Um, but they were, they were supportive at first as well. Just not just to a certain degree. Um, yeah. but if we needed help to make rent, they, both of our parents would have helped, but just moving out, I was like, I don't want to ask for help because I want to sh- prove to myself that I can do this. And so it was either just like for real nut up or shut up and so the nervousness wasn't wasn't really there because like this is between me being evicted or making rent Mm. and so like all of those feelings like being scared being being nervous was just like i gotta make rent like you you had no other choice yeah you knew that that was the path you had to do everything else was kind of like shut up pretty much outside pretty much yeah and like when it comes to parents um because I, the older I get, the more I kind of realize maybe a parent's perspective. I could see how it would be scary. You want to be supportive of your of your of your kid doing well. It could be almost scary where it's like, gosh, like taking photos. Like it's kind of hard for them to comprehend like the day and age and like for you can sure. make sustainable income and and flourish and all your work being admired. Like for it's sure. just very hard for that. Was was there a moment in time where they acknowledge it? Like, like holy cow! Like Bert's killing it. I think my parents have always, my parents personally have always just been like, go, like, chase your dreams. Like, you you get one shot at this, like, do it. And so, like, they've always supported my vision, my dream. I think it was really about two years ago, my wife's parents were like, holy shit, like, these are professional. Like, these are legit. Like, Like, actually seeing all the work, seeing that, like, seeing the grind really was more what was respected because like my wife would go over to her parents and they'd be like where's Bert like and she'd be like he's working like Mm. he's he's got a gig like he's downtown he's out in Bertram like he's doing all this stuff and they're like wow like he's really busy with all this yeah and so like I think it was more of them seeing the grind and the effort given that I still work 12 hour days um so like I work at a car dealership during the day and I'll work from 6:45 to 6. And so like after that I'll go home, shower, eat and then get the living stuff out of the way yeah. so not like right? <laughs> and then go like either there's times where straight from work I'll go to a gig downtown and drive 45 minutes downtown, take my camera gear with me, book it downtown, cha- take a change of clothes. And then get home at literally like midnight and then wake back up at 530 the next day. So, I mean, like it's it's a grind like it it really is. And like, sure, everyone can pick up anyone can pick up a camera. I I have no doubt in my mind that anybody can be good at picking up a camera. But it's really like what's going to separate you from the pack. And I think really is just the level of service. Most people don't recognize that, oh, like, you're just taking pictures. But it's like, no, like, the professionalism, like, are you on time? Like, Mm. are you early? Are you, do you make it easy for your clients to get access to their photos? Like, do you make it easy for them to pay their invoices? Like, it's all those minor things that really add up and 
determine whether if someone wants to keep working with you or not. And those, those are, that's all on you. Yeah. Like doing all the small stuff, ironing out, and then you have the big product. Exactly. Like that's, that's all on your reputation as a photographer and sure. videographer and doing all these things. And one thing that I, I, I cause for you, this is your day to day. You do that, you do the work, you're putting in all this stuff for somebody who like maybe wants to start or is thinking about starting like a schedule like that might be very difficult to comprehend. 100%. It might be scary as hell, man. 100%. But is there a part of it that like you love it and it just keeps what, what's keeping you going through all this to, to enjoy what you're doing while you're still putting in these absurd amount of hours? I don't want to spend my life at a dealership and miss out on my kids growing up because I'm working 12, 13 hour days. Mm. I want to, when I do decide to have a family, I want to be involved with my kids. I want to be at every single sporting event or whatever extracurricular they're in. I want to be able to dictate my time. It's not necessarily about money. It's about being able to have the freedom to dictate what I do with my time when I want to do it. And I think that's what keeps me pushing. Cause there's days where I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> and, and I'm just, that's just being yeah. real. Like I, I'm just like, God dang, like, I don't, I don't want to go downtown after I just worked a 13 hour shift and literally just like running around nonstop, like putting out fires, like, you know, it just mentally drained. So, and then it's just like, but nobody's going to chase these dreams for me. That's really what it comes down to. Um, And I think really like, like I said, anybody can pick up a camera, but it's really going to be up to them whether they want to do it as for fun, which I think, I think it's a great outlet to do for fun. Um, whether they want to make it a side, side gig. I mean, you can just do it when you have the time or whether you want to do it full time, it's going to require a lot of sacrifice and anything worth having is worth sacrificing, you know? Yeah. And, and as is doing it from like a side piece or like a side gig, you might, you might learn the basis and everything, but we're talking about you four and a half years invested into this. How much do you think is set you up four and a half years being into this than it would be if you would have treated it like a halftime kind of gig? I think I learned the most my last two years. Cause like I said, at first it was kind of like, Oh, like I could do this on the side. And then as like, I mean, there was, there's been a couple months where I made more than I made at my job. And I was like, Holy shit. Like this, this is legit. Like I can do this. And, and I literally worked, a fraction of what I worked a month and I was like, but because of the product, because of the, the level of professionalism, the really just selling myself that allowed me to do that. And that's not like to brag or boast. No, it's just no, to say not. like what's yeah. possible. Like well, when you say to sell yourself <coughs> and when you're just getting started and you're bringing all these cookies out of these places, just trying to find a way to take, take clients, you know, reach out, get that outreach. What, what is, gosh, how do I want to phrase this? Sorry. I was on the tip of my tongue. No, you're good. <laughs> Selling yourself. Have you ever had any learning experiences from like that? Maybe you, you had a time where you, you sold yourself short. Cause I'm assuming the assumption is you didn't have it all ironed out on your first client. 100%. I think really just coming down to knowing your worth. Um, I've gotten to the point now where I'd much rather, I think the number one thing is free work and putting in the sweat equity is going to be what's going to get you 
furthest along. Like, I do mostly concerts, but I've done a lot of free work that helped me get paid gigs for concerts. Mm. And, like, just hitting people up, like, hey, do you need help with photos? Like, or video. Like, I'd be down to help you out. First one's on me. And then... Really? I, I've done it so much. I still do it. Yeah, you did just help um, me up with all the setup, too. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still do free work for, like... You never know who knows who. And I think, really, it's just about building great connections with great people. And if you can do that and just... There's this podcast called, I think it's called like the, the 303 podcast. It's these videographers in Cali and they mention like what's called the beard test. And it's like, if your client would go out with you to just grab a beer with you or, and like just go out and kick it with you, that's the type of relationship you kind of want because it, it, obviously there's that separation between friend and business. Yes. But if you have that type of relationship to where your client will want to just hang out with you, then they trust you more to when you actually deliver the product, when you have recommendations, the, the level of trust is a lot higher than somebody just, oh yeah, this is just a transaction. You know what I mean? So it's about building great relationships. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that's absolutely important for for a role like videographers and whatnot because you're not you're not in the confinements of a business you are the business and people want to work people don't want a transactional experience they want something that they can cater to they can feel involved with or they they have a sense of trust that you're going to deliver something and they know that they can trust you so exactly have you ever had like a like a beer with any of your clients yeah i have i have um we filmed one day um it was for one of my clients he builds container homes um, container home like so they use like shipping containers as like the structure and then they make like these huge like like some of the container homes get crazy like really yeah so so one of my clients like I mean we filmed a whole YouTube video I think we were filming for like five hours six hours and then he was like hey like let's go grab a bite to eat at this bar and grill that's like close to us and so we literally just sat at that bar and grill. We were just like having a couple of drinks, kicking it, just like talking about random stuff, really just shooting the shit. <laughs> and so like we just did that. Mean guys. Yeah. So like it was cool. Um, one of my clients who I do like his uh, YouTube for powerlifting, I just went to like his wedding um, and like we were just kicking it. Like I was just hanging out with him and his wife and like. Um, or I went to like their wedding reception cause I couldn't make the actual wedding. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was like, yeah, like let's do it. And so we were just hanging out, shooting the shit, like drinking and just hanging out. So you gotta, you gotta be like social with these people. It's not, it, it's not just, you know, Oh, here's your pictures. Goodbye. For sure. You, it sounds like you want to really incorporate who you are into these interactions 100%. Too. And does that, did that kind of take some time to click? Cause Bert, it, just, just knowing you, but Let's just get into this segment real quick. Bert and I met on Instagram like last week. I, what was it? I think you liked one of my stories or something like that. Yeah, I think that's what it was. <laughs> uh, one of your clip. I think you had posted a clip, um, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we just DM'd each other or something. Did you DM me or did I DM you? I, I think, completely forget. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, it just started through DMs, and then you were like, um, you were like, yo, like would you be down to take a call and just kind of like, just if I ask you some questions, asking like how you got into what you do and how people can get into 
what you do and give some insight. And I was like, yeah, 100%, like, let's do it. And then we were on the call and you were like, I showed you the Odessa tattoo and you were <laughs> Dude, like, holy crap. The, yeah, I absolutely lost it. He just goes, so I say, so what gets you into this? And he just showed the tattoo. And I'm like, no freaking way, man. And then like, we just, I think that, that phone call we had was like almost 45 minutes. Yeah, dude. We were just talking about just life. Just I mean, honestly, like, man. And you were like, you want to get on the pot? I was like, sure, let's do it. So here we are. Yeah, we're <laughs> it up. So. It's, it, it honestly amazes me because back when I was in high school and everything, I used to think that like meeting friends on Xbox was like kind of weird. Like I knew that it happened, but then like as soon as you move and you come in a transitional phase in your life, you need to gravitate towards where there's community and online is really, you can meet some Dude, dope 100%. people online, man. I have, I met somebody through monster hunter. <laughs> What's on monster hunter? It's like this game on Xbox. <laughs> I met somebody like six years ago and he lives in Brooklyn and dude, I still keep up with him to this day really? and I haven't played games in the last five years. And I'll just check in on him. I'm like, yo, Carmine, what's good, dude? Like, how you been? And then he'll hit me back. And he's just like, dude, Bert, what's going on, dude? So, yeah, like, I've never met this person in my life. And, like, we still check in on each other and just make sure we're good. All because of, like, playing games till four in the morning and just talking about right. random shit, talking about life, talking about, like, what we're going through, like, I still keep up with this dude six six years later. Yeah, it's weird how guys have like uh, just an affinity towards like their free time, just the the relationships that they're built. And I don't want to speak on like the females' behalf, but like I wondered if they because there are female gamers, but like imagine if girls had like a hub. I, I saw a meme one time. They were like, <laughs> imagine if girls like had some sort of game that they all played and got on. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, dude. It's crazy. Like, yeah, and like you said, we met online and. Now we're sitting here chopping it up, just hanging out. Chop it up like wood, man. Yeah. <laughs> My brother actually just got done with uh, wood chopping this weekend, but that's besides the point. Sorry for that. Uh, no, you're good. <laughs> yeah, dude, have you ever had something with a client go like bad on their behalf? Like maybe where you did all of the right things and maybe they weren't happy with something. And how do you deal with that? Because the way I see it is you're, you're catering for, sure. for your brand. And somebody might have a problem with something where you just kind of have to bite the bullet. And I haven't in the last, man, I'd say almost three years. I think my first year when I was doing like some real estate stuff, um, maybe like the color was a bit off because I was still learning. I, I mean, I'm barely a year deep. Um, I had one of my realtors that was like, hey, like the color in this room doesn't match this other room, but it's on the same side of the house. And like, what's up with that? And so I'd have to go back. I'm like, you know what? Like, my bad. Like, and I'll get it all fixed and send it to you. Because, yeah, like you said, like, that is my reputation. So I want to make sure I either, A, get it right the first time, or if I don't, make it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the big thing is just making it right. Like, it, it may take you more effort that you're not necessarily getting paid for. But these people put their trust in you, put their hard-earned money into you to get a specific product. Right. And so if it's not right, you need, at least in my opinion, like, you need to make it right. And my whole goal for each photo shoot is, like, I, or each photo or video shoot, like, I want this to be the best thing that they've ever seen so far, mm. you know? 
And I think that's the, the mindset that I go in with it every time is because this is going to be the best video that they've ever seen in their life. This is going to be the, the best photos they've ever seen in their life of them or like of what they need. Yeah. And I think it's just that because like I said, or like you said, like my name's on the line, like my name is attached to these photos. They need to be exceptional. Like that's just kind of how I work. Is there a switch between your approach to how you're handling a real estate versus how you're, you're handling like a concert? 100%. Maybe like vibes or whatnot, 100%. you know? 100%. Real estate is... Well, what, what are you showing up wearing? Let's start with that. Um, to real estate. Or does it even change? It depends. Sometimes realtors will just give you like the code to the lockbox. I'll show up in like, like freaking five inch seam shorts some Crocs and like a oh, t-shirt. Yeah? <laughs> like it, it doesn't matter as long as now, if I'm going to like, like I've done a couple corporate gigs. Like if I'm showing up to a corporate gig, I'll wear like jeans. Um, I'll wear some decent shoes and like a polo. Okay. Um, but like concerts, this is pretty much like what I wear. Concerts. Actually, I wear all black. Why is that? <laughs> I saw this one guy talk about the difference between an amateur concert photographer and a professional concert photographer. And as a concert photographer, your goal is to capture that moment by not taking away from the moment. And so when you wear all black, you're pretty much almost invisible. And so he was like, so if you show up in like white, white shoes or like bright clothes, like you look like an amateur. Okay. And I don't know how necessarily true that is. Like, I don't know what other people will perceive that as. Right. But to me, I was like, that makes sense. So I'm kind of going to roll with it. Yeah. So I wear all, I'll wear black hat. Black shirt, black pants, black shoes. I'm just like blacked out. So. Well, it's got to be hard because you're at a concert, man. It's got to be hard not to like get caught up in what's going on at the concert. Have you ever had a problem with that? I don't think so because I've been to like, I've been to some dope concerts where like it's the vibe is great. Like it's just a good time. But at the end of the day, like I'm doing what I love, which is using a camera. I love music so much. Like, I don't care what genre it is. I'll listen to anything. And I get to do, I get to enjoy two things that I love. So it's like, I don't, my focus is I'm here for a purpose. So I'm going to focus on that purpose, but I'm also going to enjoy myself. Yeah. So, it's not like you're tied to just getting the pictures and, you know, being sure. dialed in completely. You can still, I, I feel like, would would it be different for, like, somebody who wants to record sports games? Do you need to be fully immersed in your job there, or? See, that's tough, because really, like, for for sports, it's like, you need to capture those highlight moments. And yeah. So, yeah, like, you got to be on your A game. And, and, I mean, you have to be on your A game for concerts, too, because you want to capture, like, the highlights. Like, But I think for sports, you definitely have to be more dialed in. In my opinion, I haven't really shot sports a ton, um, but just from like what the experience I do have with that, I think you got to be really dialed in. What's the uh, what's the stereotypical uh, other camera guy? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you ever like go to a concert without somebody holding a camera, just being like, "Oh, that guy's a photographer. That guy's a photographer." I mean, I not really. Like, I've seen. I've had people ask me like, oh, like, what are you shooting on? And so I'm just like, oh, like they must use a camera somewhat. Okay. And so I'll give them like what I'm shooting for my setup, like what I'm running as far as what lens I have on the camera I have. Um, and then just like 
just talk to them and just like, oh, like, yeah, what do you shoot on? What do you typically shoot? Like, are you, do you do concerts as well? Or so I'll like chop it up with people here and there between gigs or like at gigs because people will ask me and I, I think it's cool kind of like sharing that common interest with random people. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing when I, when I started getting big into video editing, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I started getting a bunch of reels about like video <laughs> editing and stuff. And one of the things that people had talked about was there's a lot of gatekeepers in the community. Is that something that you've ever experienced? Maybe people don't want to share or because to a degree, it's a competitive field, you know? 100%. I think so. I was, so I was actually talking to my friend and I'm going to tie this all together. This seems kind of random. I was talking to my friend who smokes barbecue and he's been doing it for 15 years. And he was like, I can give you a recipe and you can follow it to a T but you still won't be able to produce what I produce on the smoker. And he was like, recipe will get you close, but it's a feel, it's a passion. It's, mm. it's something that you just can't teach that 15 years of experience has. Right. And so for me personally, I don't gatekeep. Like if somebody asks me like, Hey, like, what do you, like, how do I get this photo to look like this? Like, I'll be like, maybe adjust like the brights or the darks or like, bring up your contrast a bit and I'll, I'll try to like help from seeing like what the photo looks like raw right and i'll do my best to like guide them but so i don't i don't gatekeep because yeah i can give you all these tools but and this isn't to be cocky but you won't produce what i produce That's, because it's completely fair it's it's a feel it's it's capture like in that moment you kind of know like this is what it looked like. I want to try and make it as close as possible while being like more vibrant, more make it pop more, but not to over exaggerate it. Right. So that's a feel. It's not necessarily technical. I, I think that goes a lot hand in hand with like a lot of things in life because, and here's a little, little story that I have. I remember, you know, as a kid, your father, your dad, whoever always tells you, Hey, if you work hard, you'll be successful. And then I remember going to a basketball camp and the instructor was like, Hey guys, if you want to like be good at basketball, you need to work hard. And I remember just acting like I was so mad. I was like, dude, don't tell everybody the secret. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then the older I got and, you know, even getting into podcasting, uh, so many people have hit me up. Hey, how do I start a podcast? How do you do that? I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll tell everybody, everybody, everything that I know, you For know, sure. oh, use this, don't do that because it comes down to some people might have everything that they need, but they're still not going to do the work. 100%. I think the big thing for me is I didn't really have anybody. I still don't have anybody showing me like, so I had to go through a lot of bullshit to get to where I'm at. I mean, there's like, you talk about how many SD cards have I dumped? Like I've shot 20,000 plus photos that absolutely are horrendous. Whether the lighting sucked, that was out of focus, like that have all just been deleted. Mm. and people see like what's on my Instagram feed, but it's like, you don't see the 20,000 photos that I fucked up to get to those, those bangers, you know, or those like, yeah, you don't see the, you see like where I'm at now. You don't see the, the 20, 30 concerts I shot for free my first year before COVID Damn, man. to, to just practice. You don't see the open mics that I went to before COVID to to just say hey like do you need some photos i'll take them for free and send them to you when i'm done Damn. so like 
everyone sees the final product, but nobody sees like what led up to that. Right. In, and, in that sense, Instagram quite literally is a highlight reel. Yeah, it really is. It, <laughs> you know, it really is. And, and which is fine. Like, yeah, yeah. but I try to be as transparent as possible. But yeah, so I don't have somebody above me that's like guiding me. I've had people that I've reached out to that I knew through mutual friends and like asked them, hey, like this is like, what the heck does this mean? And like, what should I get for like concerts or like just just general questions that I couldn't find the answer on YouTube. Yeah. But yeah. most of it was YouTube University. Do they have a university for kids? No. <laughs> uh, oh, you're just talking about as a whole? Yeah. yeah, man, my bad. No, I just, just YouTubed everything and Googled and, like, read articles and, like, just spent late nights just reading and watching right. videos. Who 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 are, like, the most prominent people on YouTube to learn from? I mean, yeah. everything I learned, like, most of the stuff I learned from was Peter McKinnon. Um, he's this Canadian dude who's phenomenal, like, with the camera. Um, his friend Matty Hapoya, they're both Canadian and like just really like great storytellers. And that, that's what I want to aim to do as far as videos and even pictures. Like they say, like what a picture holds a thousand words, right? Yeah. But what does that mean for a video? Like you right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a picture. Or a video tells way more to a story, and so like that's really just what I want to do is tell great stories. All I want to do. <laughs> well, I think I think Odessa was is really a, a magnifying piece of all of this because if you ever, if, guys, if you ever go on Odessa's Instagram, they have phenomenal recaps of the oh show. Oh my god, dude! First of all, they have an amazing music live. Um, I know Bert can attest dude. to that. But I mean, it it really does take you back in time or to where you were feeling music, arts in general. One hundred percent. Have you have you ever done a video? Do you typically add music to that kind of stuff mm -hmm. or in and how do you go around maybe like copyright stuff or so if i'm doing like corporate stuff or something that um somebody is using for like commercial purposes or like to bring in revenue to their business i'll use story blocks um story blocks story blocks is basically they have stock footage um, stock photos, stock music, that's all like non-copyright music. So I'll use Storyblocks to use music for like corporate gigs. So that way they don't have, since it's non-copyright, that way they don't get copyrighted or okay. go through all those infringements and things like that. Is that free on your end, Storyblocks? No, story, it's a paid subscription. Okay. Um, I pay yearly. I think it's like 400 bucks for a year. Dang, man. Um, but like it, it pays for itself. That's like, fair. If okay. you... If you get like those corporate gigs and things right. like that, if you're if you're starting to collect a paycheck, for or, sure, yeah, yeah. So, so it's just one of those investments that's worth it because then you don't have to like. And I know YouTube has like uh, a non copyright section or like non copyright music that people will put out. Um, and I know there's some like stipulations where you have to like um, put the name of the song and like put the artist things like that. I think that's like the only thing. Um, so like if you want non-copyright music for YouTube and you're trying to get like monetized, you can do that. But in the description, you have to put like, put the name of the song, the okay. name of the artist, um, and like certain things. And then it tells you in the description of the song, like if you use this for blah, 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 like do this. Okay. Um, so I mean, YouTube has a lot of non-copyright stuff. Uh, Spotify even has like non-copyright music. Oh, that's nice. Um, just like 
and then you can find it on YouTube. And then, yeah, so um, I literally just one time Spotify non-copyright music. And, like, they have a lot of good, like, EDM selections for oh, yeah. for non-copyright stuff, which is cool. It's great for um, vlogs, I will say that. Yeah. Back in my vlogging days, I would, like, take an instrumental to a copyrighted song, just slap it on there. It's like, you can't make money. I'm like, dude, I'm not making any money anytime yeah. soon. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, for example, if I want to do something like a recap video for... Um, for like opinionated or things like that, I'll use like a popular song that's because it's like if I'm not worried about the monetization aspect of it, I'll just use something that like sounds cool pretty right. much like yeah or like something that sounds cool and that everyone knows what 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 what's a song that's like cool and everybody knows that you can use I mean like I'll use like a Drake beat or like okay yeah, yeah. like travis scott or or something like like Uzi something like that okay um just that's like. The vibes are good, like it's kind of hype, or just depending on the mood of the video. Fair. So, and talk about opinionated a little bit because we talked on the phone. That's your two buddies, right? Yeah. So, one of my buddies I've known since kindergarten, my other buddy who I've known since fourth grade, um, my buddy Carlos, uh, we hadn't talked since literally we graduated high school. This was like my, we were about to be four years out of high school. And I saw my buddy Carlos on PlayStation Network. And we were just like, I was like, yo, I wonder what he's up to. And I saw he was playing Apex too. So I was playing Apex. <laughs> Squad up, baby. And I was like, let me just hit him up, see if he wants to run a few games. So I hit him up and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I think this was at like 11. We stayed up to like four in the morning, just like running games, talking about like what we had been up to the last almost four years, just like catching up. And it, it felt like we didn't miss a beat. Um, as far as even though we hadn't talked in four years, it just felt like we were just having another conversation. And he was like, yeah, me and Cam want to start a podcast. And we kind of just like, we're just trying to figure out like how to film it and stuff. And I was like, oh, really? Like, I just picked up a camera. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but <laughs> y'all want to like, just, I'll film y'all. Y'all handle like the audio side of things and We'll figure it out together. And he was like, bet, say less. And literally, I think I think that was in, like, November. We shot our first one in, like, January of 2019. And he had told Cam about it. He was like, yo, Bert, like, me and Bert were playing PlayStation. And he was like, he wants to help us, like, start this podcast. So we started, and we just literally met up, like, every other week just to film random podcasts. yeah. And just, like, shoot the shit and talk about random stuff. Well, dude, it's it's amazing <coughs> that anything coming out of a group chat that actually goes into production is a beautiful thing. Everybody always seems the memes of, like, bro, we should start a podcast or, bro, we should start a YouTube channel. And 90% of the time, that stuff never comes out. For sure. With these guys, they were doers. Yeah. They did it. What did that look like? Actually taking your idea of, guys, I think we could do something here. And then actually putting it into play. Because you got three people living three separate lives there. 100%. And setting aside time to actually make it work, what does that process look like? What do people need to be doing? I think it may be a little bit different for us because we were friends prior to starting that. We needed to basically relearn each other as people because we're not the same person who we were five years prior, you know, like when we graduated high school. So there's a completely different mindset that I have. There's a completely different mindset Carlos has, completely different mindset Cam has. 
So first it was relearning how to just be friends first off. Yeah. Second off was learning to separate from being friends and actually if we wanted to do this as a business, separating when friendship and business need to be separated mm -hmm. and learning that distinction as far as, yeah, like we're cool and all, but like there are going to be uncomfortable conversations that we need to have. So like they just need to get done. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like I think the biggest thing I told them was when we started, I was like, look, whether y'all continue to do this or not, like I'm still going to pick up a camera with or without y'all. And I was like, and I hope whether I decide to not use a camera anymore with or without me, y'all still do the podcast. Mm. And I think that was really like a, a conversation needed to, to kind of set us up for our future as far as still working together four years later, still kind of having that mutual respect with, it's a little bit different freelancing as a photographer and videographer than setting up cameras to do a podcast, but there's that mutual respect of, it takes a lot of time and effort to do it for both. Yes. You know, like you're still doing the, the cold DMs, cold marketing, all that to get guests on the podcast. That's a lot of work. And you'll probably send out 100 DMs and get two responses. And nobody likes to be rejected. Like, That's you fair. know? Yeah. And so, like, that, that thing of going through the, the rejection to, to get to those yeses, you know what I mean? And, like, from a sales perspective, like, it's just a numbers game. In sales, like, you either, the more people you hit up, the more sales you get. Like, it's just the law of averages. Like, yeah. not everyone's going to say no, but, like, you just have to get through the no's to get to the yes. Right. And you so, you got to put yourself in a situation where you're going to, your your fruit's going to be recognized. 100%. You know? And I, so, like, that mutual respect between all of us is, like, Cam is doing, like, all the, the scheduling with the guests and getting things ran for social media. Carlos is coming up with, like, content ideas for them to film. Um, things like that. And so every, everyone works together to as far as for the greater good of the goal for everyone. Yeah, man. It, it's so it, it's so cool seeing that stuff actually happen, you know, because I, I always say there's anytime somebody's like, oh, bro, my friend group would be so much funnier than like your friend group. Because one time I had an episode with all my boys. I'm like, maybe, but I don't see you doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> cool. coulda, shoulda, woulda. Like. Right. Or I guess even starting anything new because even like uh, my last semester of college, I started boxing. Okay. And and a lot of my a lot of my buddies or maybe like loose buddies acquaintances would be like, oh dude, I could beat you up. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, bro, here's the thing: you might be a more natural, better fighter. It just might be the case. It's very well likely. Yeah. But here's the thing: you're not showing up every day and working out for two hours after school and all this stuff. <laughs> like, for sure. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I don't know, it's, and it's also fun, man. I mean, hanging out with your boys and, like, I mean, business aspect aside, like, at the end of the day, you're just, it's fun to be with your guys, man. Yeah. And it's fun to be with people who, it, it sounds like you have great support and people who challenge you and getting in these situations. And it's really all about growth. 100%. And I think that's, as far as those uncomfortable conversations we've had as a group to, for the betterment of, the collective so to speak 
I think really is like the biggest thing for me was learning. Like people say like the truth hurts or like the truth is harsh, but it doesn't have to be. And I think mm. you can be honest and you can be um, constructive at the same time without being harsh, without being um, hurtful, so to speak. And I think one of the biggest things that like challenged how I communicate as somebody who basically as someone in that collective as one of the because we've grown to like so me cam and carlos that's pretty much like the umbrella company of opinion the opinionated media and then they have separate podcasts underneath like park car talks and like keep it a buck and things like that and as far as like having other people on board to that and being a leader of the group as one of the founders, like I think it's important to learn how to communicate effectively for each individual. Because how you, like, for example, Nick Saban, the first thing he does apparently is hire a sports psychologist. And what he does, the reason why Nick Saban's so great as a football coach is his, like the first week, his psychologist will be like, you can yell at this guy, you can't yell at this guy. Like you can talk to him a certain way, you like you can talk to this person a certain way. And for each individual, like there's certain things that are gonna make us click. Like right. for me, it's like I need the harsh truth. I need somebody to be like, dude, just shut the fuck up and go do it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I can't talk to everybody no, like that's that. Fair, man. You know, like yeah. not everybody's gonna that's not gonna resonate with everyone. If I go to somebody who they need that coaching. Versus like, bro, just shut up and like, go do it. You know, like right. that's not, that's not what gets them going. If anything, that's going to shut them down. And so it's learning how to communicate effectively with every single person, the way that they want to be communicated to. Of course. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a big thing, especially working with friends too, man, is because 100%. at the end of the day, you love those guys. 100%. You're going to love, you're going to love those guys regardless. So you may as well. You know, treat them how they want to be treated. One hundred percent. And you know, everybody feels good. You know, even when you know it's time to strike down and be like, "Hey," you know what I mean? For sure. And yeah, it's just really, like I said, because we were relearning each other after four years of not talking, and so like there are certain things that made Carlos click differently than he used to. That that resonates with him more now, you know what I mean? So it's just learning how to re-communicate with people that I hadn't, basically learning a person again, really. Cause like I said, we're, we were different people. Different people, but one mission, man. Yeah, come on now. so. <laughs> dude, another supporter in your life. Come on now. Oh dude. Come on. That's my wife. Yeah, hell yeah. Bro, the story, the, I, I, you gotta tell the people this story. So, I mean, are you talking about the one with the concert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I used to work at Tiff Streets with my wife. Um, one of my old coworkers, her mom did, um, her mom did real estate. And I was like, hey, like your mom does real estate. I'm getting into using a camera. I would love to do her photos for free. Like if she needs a real estate photographer. And she was like, oh yeah, like I'll let her know. And she never let me know. But anyway, <laughs> she never told me like when her mom needed photos. But um, besides, that's besides the point because she did hit me up like one random night and was like, hey, I know you use a camera. Um, I know you do like photo and video. My friend needs help with a concert at Stubbs in like an hour and a half. 
And I live in Pflugerville. And from where Stubbs is at to Pflugerville, it's like a 45-minute drive. And I was like, okay, like, that's kind of like last minute, but <laughs> let me see. So I told my wife, I was like, hey, like, I may have a gig. Like, in, I was like, I may have a gig tonight. And she was like, when? I was like, literally in like an hour and a half. And the first thing, like, without hesitation, she was like, go. Like, just go. Like, because this is what you want to do. This is like that stepping stone for where you want to be. And she was like, I'll be here. Like, we'll hang out when you get back. And so I went, it was at Stubbs, the, the, um, the cellar amphitheater, because they have two, the outside and then the cellar, which is like a small one. It's in the restaurant. And I think it holds maybe like 300 people. And it was like a sold out show. And I was like, dude, 300 people. My first ever concert. I'm sweating bullets. I'm nervous <laughs> as shit. Um, the guy, CJ, who I still talk to, like, this was four years ago. I still talk to him. He moved to Colorado. He does music mostly now, but he still does photo and video stuff. And um, he's helped me a lot as far as, like, if I have a random question, I'll hit him up. And he taught me a lot getting to where I'm at now. Um, but we were both kind of figuring it out together. So um, he was like, dude, like, how you feeling? This is, like, five minutes before we're about to, like, start. I'm like, dude, I'm nervous as fuck. Like, I, I'm sweating. Like, my hands literally trembling because I'm just like, dude, like, 300 people out there? Like, what do I do? Yeah. And he was like, calm the fuck down. He hands me a Lone Star and, like, pounds <laughs> it in my chest. He's like, drink a beer, point the camera, make sure it's in focus. Somebody's going to think this shit's cool. <laughs> and I was like, damn, all right. And literally, like, that's mostly how I work now. I'm just like, point the camera, make sure it's in focus. Somebody's going to think this shit's cool. And the people who rock with it will rock with it. The people who, it's, who are meant to see it will see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, the people who don't rock with it or, like, don't really like it, it's not for them. And that's fine. Like, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But I think, like, that, as my first ever concert gig, having that type of conversation with the dude who basically hired me, just set me up for so much more success as far as how I work as a freelancer. Because yes, like I was saying earlier, like I want this to be the best video that this person has ever seen. But I also don't want to like diminish my love for what I do. Right. And so for me, it's just like point the camera, make sure it's in focus. Somebody's going to think it's cool. And that's how I work. Yeah. And it, there's there's really two separate phases to the job because you have the the camera part and then you have the editing part for sure so so is when you're taking the photos you're just like hey one of these are gonna stick and then in the editing phase it's like all right now we're gonna perfect this because uh, there's kind of two sides of the coin here you know what i'm saying for sure i think most of what i try to aim for while i'm shooting is i want to do the least amount of work editing as possible okay so i want it to look great in camera just straight onto the computer all right and that's just making sure the lighting's good things like that there's uh, there's checks and whatnot sure. that you need to make sure you have before you just point the camera and shoot for sure um just making sure like the subject that i want is in focus and especially like with concerts there's a lot of moving pieces as far as lighting yeah, man, those, those people move everywhere too and <laughs> the lighting's always changing things like that and so like if it's an artist that like 
because you can kind of feel like the rhythm of the song and like where like like for EDM like you kind of know when the ba- oh, yeah. when the when it, the beat's gonna drop right yeah, yeah yeah and so like you're anticipating that drop and like those are the moments like that you want to like you don't want to just point and then just like spray and pray you know okay you kind of like if you know it's about to drop like anticipate that get like the fog coming out you know like the the lasers going crazy like the artist just having a blast having a good time like you kind of pick and choose your shots still even you don't want to take like a thousand extra photos that you don't need that you won't even use later on just to go through 100 percent. it just creates more work for you and it just it's tiring takes up that sd card man (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so like you pick and choose those shots um, real estate's pretty easy. I mean, it's you just want to highlight the the highlight points of the property, you know. So, which one do you enjoy most? It sounds it sounds yeah yeah no doubt. <laughs> you, you've had some pretty cool people you've shot too, right? I'm a, I've had some cool people. I did um, DJ Paul. He's part of Three Six Mafia. Oh really? Um, he's the other dude who's not Juicy J. He's um, not here in Austin. Well, he he had a show in Austin. Um, I mean, I went to an Audion concert, uh, shot for the people opening up for Audion. Um, that was super dope. Um, and that was at Superstition not like two months ago. Um, it's a club downtown. Okay. I know you're newer to the Austin. Yeah, area. yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, it sounds fancy, man. Shit. Superstition's cool. Like, if you get a chance to go see a show there, you should. All right. Um, especially given, like, what I was listening to you playing, like, before we started this. Yeah. Like, I think you would enjoy yourself. Dude, so. that's one thing that's awesome about Austin. And for you as a photographer, videographer, there's so much going on, man. I mean, really, it's yeah. a great hub. So it's cool. I think, I think really Austin, the EDM scene in Austin is super good. Um, everyone's pretty supportive of like all the DJs and like the DJs are supportive of their photographers and videographers. There's a lot of mutual respect. Well, yeah, um, I mean, every, everybody's working with the common goal to move up. For sure. Um, so I, the EDM community is super cool. Um, the hip hop community in Austin is growing. I feel like it's not quite like, it's not like Houston or Atlanta or like where it's just popping, you know? Right. Um, and things are going like, I feel like the hip hop community in Austin is coming up, um, given like, given the goal of like the community of where they want the hip hop scene to be in Austin. Um, and there's a lot of artists that are up and coming that are that are great. So I think in the next five, ten years, like the hip hop community in Austin will be pretty, pretty legit. Yeah, we need like a mega star out of here, man. I'll <laughs> tell you that. For sure. Um, but as far as like, I mean, yeah, like the, the alternative scene out here is really good. Um, I try to shoot everything, but I've just mostly been doing hip hop and EDM shows. Is that like a niche niche? Uh, preference or no I mean I, I would love to do like I really would love to do like a metal show dude and just, oh yeah like, go crazy like like some Metallica type metal something or like, or like disturbed or yeah like something just like I think it would be cool to do a metal show because um, there's a lot of energy behind that music and I think those could be some really great shots yeah so, kind of expand your uh, portfolio type for thing, sure right? um, R&B I've done an R&B show that was a great time. Um, the music was great. Uh, I, I want to do like more rock and alternative and metal. 
I, I think it would be a good time to do some shows like that. Is uh, I'm sorry. The first thing you said when you said R and B is is Waterfalls by TLC considered R and B? I don't even know how you describe it. I'm I'm gonna listen to this after. I feel like <laughs> I feel like this more pop. If anything. is it? I don't know. But it's I, like kind of jazzy. That's you know what fair. I'm that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's fun, man. I I really I love what I do. I. Who who's the who's the dream people you want to shoot, man? No, did you know? Come on, Odessa. Uh, yeah, I would love to shoot for Odessa. Um, honestly, I really would love to shoot for Post Malone. Yeah, man. I, he just like he just seems like such a genuine dude that right? like and like shooting for him would be probably super dope. Um, I would want to shoot for John Bellion. Oh, yeah? Um, He's got I, some vocals, man. Yeah. I think shooting for John Bellion would be cool. Uh, what yeah. was it? When, when Post Malone... Okay, so Post Malone always had White Iverson mm -hmm. in, like, great song. But his music in 2018, man, that forever solidified. Like, when our kids play Post Malone someday, you're yeah. gonna be like, you don't understand, man. Like, Post, 2018 Post Malone... Through probably even up to 2020 pre-COVID was the guy. Yeah. Vibes and everything. For sure. So I, I mean, could see you shooting shooting posty. That would be so cool. <laughs> Get That'd a post be awesome. post. If he sees this somehow through the algorithm, whatever, I would love to shoot for you post Malone. Hit your guy right here. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, yeah. I mean, I I think a disturbed concert would be cool. Or slipknot. Like slipknot. Dang man. Yeah. You're going to get in the mosh pit with the camera and everything? <laughs> I think that would be super cool to shoot for those guys. Is it ever a concern to have gear damage at a concert? Because people are going nuts. Um, yes and no. That's what insurance is for. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How much is insurance for? So, like, I have event insurance, and I think a month, it's like 75 bucks. Yeah? But, like... Um, have you ever had to use it? No. So, like, for example, when you go to, like, for Superstition... They require a COI, which is a certificate of insurance. And basically what that covers is like if there's an incident because there's a upstairs and downstairs, like let's just say I I shoot like I'm I'm over the balcony and like I accidentally drop my camera. Yeah. And it falls on somebody. Oh. And then there's damages and lawsuits and right. things of that nature. That's why event insurance is super helpful to have. Okay. Um, but it also protects my gear as far as yes. like if my gear gets damaged, if like I have to climb up on a ladder to get a shot, my camera falls just on the ground, gets completely obliterated, like I'm covered. Okay. And so like I may not always have to get a COI or I may not always use my insurance, but it's nice to have because it's that peace of mind that, hey, if my gear gets messed up, I'm covered. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's not so, like it's just gone with the gust and you're like, oh my sure. gosh, bro, there goes like yeah. X amount of G's yeah. literally no, shattered on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. So, Dude, that was something that I, I guess I never thought of that <coughs> aspect, but when I was moving here, I had to get renter's insurance. I was like, bro, mm -hmm. there's a lot of equipment in here. 100%. Like, I'm going to have to up the price because, yeah. Lord forbid, somebody comes in here and I'm not here. Yeah, that or, <laughs> I mean, like, God forbid a fire, or like yeah. you know things like that, like yeah. just things out of your control. And so, like, yeah, I have all my gear on my renter's insurance too. Cause, Smart man. So it's like I have renter's insurance. I have 
And renter's insurance is so cheap. like Dude, it's it's pennies. I was surprised of how much the upscale of yeah. coverage was. I think like for all my gear, it cost me an extra 12 bucks a month yeah. on my renter's insurance policy, which is nothing. Like 12 bucks. I spend 12 bucks on stupid shit all the time. Yeah, I, I go to Chipotle and spend like 20. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? So so it just makes sense to have. Like I said, you you may never use it. But if you do need to use it, it's nice to have. So what's an absolute truth that somebody new getting into videography, photography, they, they, need, to, they need to hear? Just do it because you want to. Don't do it for anyone else. Like, just... And, I mean, be prepared to suck. Like, you're going to suck at first. And that's okay. Like, anything you start, you're going to suck at first. And I think most people want to, like grasp it right away and most people like anytime you start something new like it's uncomfortable for sure yeah but like be okay with sucking just point the camera shoot make sure (laughs) make sure it's in focus (laughs) somebody's gonna think that shit's cool dude hell yeah that's that would be my biggest advice for anybody who's just starting to pick up a camera pick it up shoot or pick it up focus shoot Somebody didn't think yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I may have butched that, but yeah, no. <laughs> sorry, bro. No, you're good, dude. And I guess as we wrap things up, we gotta talk about Tugga Media. The freaking the logo. If you if you guys can't see everything on Bert's shirt, is the hat embroidered? Yeah, it is embroidered. Is is the shirt embroidered too? Yep. That looks freaking dope. So yeah, t- tell everybody about Toga. So first off, shout out to um, Cat, who is Cam uh, of Opinionated Media's girlfriend. Her dad made these for me. Oh, that's nice. Um, so shout out Kat, because I love these shirts. And they're so comfy. Um, it looks comfy, man. But Toga Media started off, I was on a delivery run. And when I did decide that I wanted to pick up a camera, I was like, what am I going to call myself? Like, And I could do uh, Burt Media or like Briseño Media. Um, but I felt like everybody used their first or last name and added media and that's fine like that's not trying to like yeah, yeah. take away from anyone because really at the end of the day all that matters is a product like if your product is good who gives a shit what your name is like yeah you know and so but i was like i wanted to build something that like i wanted to build my brand off of and toga is actually actually an acronym for together our goals are accomplished and i don't know what made me think of that other than the fact that like at 18 somebody told me like if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and me capturing moments in time for people I was like you know like their goal is to relive these memories capture these memories my goal is to do this full time to basically dictate my time to be there for my family be there for those memories capture my family's memories things like that and so i was like together our goals are accomplished is pretty dope and i was like t-o-g-a-a that's kind of cool and i was like cool let's do that and at the time i actually had long hair and so i was like let me just i was like how do i think of like toga and i was like everyone thinks of like frat parties or yeah, like something like that you know and so i was like i literally like looked up something with like a spartan and it was like this cartoon spartan with a spear and i was like what if it's just like one of those hardcore cameras and so that's where that came out 
that was like he's holding a phone to take pictures. So I was like, I think that's kind of cool. So I had my best friend's sister draw this up, and she drew it up, sent me like the PDF. Yeah. Because um, she was getting into like graphic designing. Oh, that quite literally is the purpose of your brand then, the so, Toga together. Yeah. So she's getting oh, into cool. brand designing. Yeah. And I like was like, hey, like I'll pay you to draw my logo. And then everybody's eating, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's how it came about. It was just something random. No, it's dope, dude. Go ahead, plug yourself, social media, what you got going on. How can we reach you? How can we help you, my man? Um, Instagram, Toga Media LLC, and um, it's T-O-G-A-A. Um, my personal is that one guy, Bert. Uh, I used to do a lot of powerlifting. Uh, TikTok, I mostly have been focusing on like food stuff. Oh, yeah? So my TikTok is Bert underscore belly. Um, so that's something I've been doing. What kind of food, food stuff you cook? Anything or? like, no, just going out to like different restaurants oh, and like reviewing and stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of like, you know who Keith Lee is? Who? Keith Lee. No. Oh, he, he's like, he, bro, he's cool. He's dope. Okay. I um, might need to check him out then too. But just going out, like me and my wife go out to eat all the time. Like I might as well record it. And if some, if nobody knows about this restaurant, it helps the business. Dude, that's such a it, great a, a great idea honestly i tell people all the time if you're doing something why would you not you have a phone camera you have exactly yeah and that i use my phone only like i don't ever take my camera yeah i'm just recording with my phone oh that's dope and and it falls in line with like my brand of toga is like what if this helps this business get them more business you know yeah and like what if people want to try this type of food they just were never exposed to it it helps them try that food and it helps the business and, and it helps everyone. So yeah. that's kind of why I started that. Good stuff, man. So, Shoot. So Bert's underscore belly, uh, Togo Media LLC on Instagram. And yeah, that's it. Hell yeah. Well, guys, everybody, make sure you check out Bert. Honestly, stand up guy. Easiest conversation I've ever had. Just picking up the phone on FaceTime, <laughs> Instagram FaceTime. We just ran that for like uh, 30, 30, 45 minutes. To see, yeah. Like honestly. But uh Everybody, thank you so much. Please feel free to check out the Instagram clips at Red Dolphin Pod on Instagram. If you want to find more of Bert, all of his stuff is going to be tagged below. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in. And as always, stay blessed. Never stress. Thanks for having me, man.